Welcome to Why Is with Ty and Dan. This week we discuss skipping the 90s, life is unfair. You know what else is unfair, Danny? My name is not Ty, and your name isn't Dan. Well, my name is Danny Vincent, and your name is Tyler Borland. So you know what? We're just going to move right on and get to the MCU news right now. All right, so our first bit of MCU news is Zowie Ashton has been cast as the villain of Captain Marvel 2. Maybe we should explain who Zowie Ashton, Ashton is before we uh, get into uh, talking about who she who she's going to play, because I don't think a lot of people know her. I didn't know who she was. Um, she's going to be... Well, she was in a play with Tom Hiddleston and Charlie Cox, both of whom are, of course... Um, what do you call them? They're, they're, both, they're both MCU stars, right? Uh, Tom Hiddleston obviously being Loki, and Charlie Cox being on the Daredevil Netflix show, uh, which... The canosity is kind of vague, you know, but there's rumors he's going to be in Spider-Man 3, so we'll see. We'll see if he's totally canon. I'm trying to see if she's been in anything I've seen. She's been in Nocturnal Animals, but probably in a small role. I'm sure you haven't seen that. That was like a crime movie that came out of her. Oh, she was in... Oh, never mind. That's not as... I was going to say, she was in Sherlock, but she was in an episode of Sherlock where, like, uh... It was the pilot that was unaired, so I guess I don't know who she is. Yeah, I have no idea who this woman is. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, in saying that, that is, uh, with this acting, I, last week you had talked about how the MCU, at the beginning of the MCU they played it safe, and it was more of let's cast, let's cast the actors who we know can perform well. Where here, it's a nice, this is a nice chance for an actor to really step up into a big a big role and i'm sure um, she's acted on stage with hiddleston and cox she's probably really good you know yeah and, yeah and she, i think she's a playwright too i'm gonna double check that before i call her that yes she is and you know as a playwright i'm always a, a fan of playwrights getting success so who do you think she's playing i it's a bit of hope, hopeful casting here but i would like to see zawi ashton cast as storm in the Captain Marvel sequel. Now I know that we've we don't have mutants technically in the MCU just maybe, yet. Maybe. Um, yeah, might. maybe not. Maybe but maybe. Uh, I guess I, that we could. But go on. <laughs> but uh, I think I think we could see mutants enter the MCU really soon. And the introduction of Storm would not only be relevant to audiences, um, especially with the recent Fox uh, films, but Storm is also a rival to Captain Marvel in the comics. Um, so that's one way that they can that they can play a storyline that they can pull from. Also, uh, Storm has had Wakandan ancestry in the comics, so it would be it would be interesting if we get something of of that, which could also tie into that uh, Ryan Coogler Wakanda series on Disney Plus as well. Yeah, so, that would. I, I gotta say, when I see them cast a lesser known name than this now, I think more about uh, the potential for because Disney being Disney probably wants to spin off these characters into TV and stuff. And we know the other two characters in Captain Marvel 2 are going to come, besides obviously 
Carol. Uh, but we know Monica and Miss Marvel are going to be in it. Kamala Khan are going to be in it. And uh, so I wouldn't be surprised that a small actor is cast for possibly the Wakanda show. But that said, I, I well, first, I don't know. I can't say an exact character that I would want, you know. But I can say that I probably would still be like, yeah, I don't need a mutant yet, you know? Yeah. Like, I'm okay with Captain Marvel staying a space-based franchise. And I think with the sequel adding Monica and Kamala, if they went to space, uh, that itself would be a big hook. Even though I guess Kamala going to space could be a bit retread of Infinity War with Peter going to space. But that's a different... That's, that's a, I, I would prefer it stays in space. And I'd prefer if we get uh, the scrolls back in that. Uh, and I feel like Storm is just very much a... Like an Earth-based. Well, not only Earth-based. I don't see what she really has to do with... I know you said she's a rival in the comics, but isn't yeah. she a rival in the comics after the X-Men are introduced? Because I would prefer, pr- yeah. presume Storm, if she's introduced in Captain Marvel 2, is going to be introduced before the rest of the X-Men. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. I don't know what, so... who I want her to be, because I don't know the Captain Marvel mythos, but I can pretty much adamantly be like, I don't really want her to be any of the characters that you just got from Fox. You know? I think Cap- I presume Captain Marvel has her own rogues gallery we could be taking from, and I don't think the first one, from what I know, really took advantage of her rogues gallery. Uh, so now we're going to move on to In the Green Room. Woo, woo. Uh, I'll go first. This week I watched the Netflix original film, The Prom. Uh, the Prom is a musical that we were extremely lucky to miss in college because <laughs> I guarantee it, it came out. It came out uh, in I think November or October after we graduated, and I guarantee you, if we were still in school, that would have been blaring in the dressing rooms and in the hallway all the time. It is a hundred percent the type of music that, like you know, well, and there would the have MFAs probably were super into. like scenes would have been done from it in yeah in multi- yeah. multiple thank, things. thank god <laughs> thank god we got out before then um but okay so here's the thing about the prom is well the movie version of the prom is the reviews on it are well i'll put it this way i went into it expecting i wouldn't like it uh and i surprisingly thought it was pretty okay and not like okay okay i enjoyed it a thorough amount i mean it has issues the big issue being the most publicized issue of it which is that james corden is the lead male role, and he plays the... It's a... Well, do you know what the plot of The Prom is? I should probably I say don't. it. Okay. So the plot of The Prom is that these this girl from Indiana, her prom gets canceled because she wants to take her date, and she's a lesbian. Uh, but then the actual plot is is that these people on Broadway, these actors on Broadway whose shows just closed, see this and go like, maybe if we go there and try to like speak up for her and be the celebrity advocates, our reputation would go up here more people would hire us um and james corden plays the celebrity the the celebrity i should put celebrities in air quotes because these are broadway stars so they're not actually famous like in the world of the movie you know because uh, no one really cares about broadway stars it's just the way it is um but james corden plays like the gay veteran of broadway uh and here's the thing is the film had so he's miscast because he plays the role like a well 
he's miscast because James Corden's a bad actor. Uh, <laughs> but he's also miscast because... Uh, so he plays the role extremely campy and stereotypically like it's a movie from the 90s. And we've moved way past those type of gay characters in movies. Uh, but to me, he's also miscast because the character is written to be like this aging veteran. And his counterpart in the movie is Meryl Streep. And James Corden is like, I think, 30 years younger than Meryl Streep. You cannot tell me James Corden is a longtime Broadway veteran in the same way Meryl Streep is in the same movie, right? They, they're not the same age. Uh, but I would also say the issue of, because, okay, this is a con, this is like a hot topic on if straight actors should portray gay characters. My, I think it's more complicated than what I'm about to say, but I think in this case, gay, gay actor, a gay actor should have played this role because the character is so over the top played by James Corden that it feels like he's trying to prove himself to be gay in a stereotypical way. Whereas if it was like Nathan Lane or Neil Patrick Harris or Titus Burgess, we would have just bought it immediately. Like they wouldn't have to play it up. Even if like Neil Patrick Harris like isn't stereotypically gay the way James Corden plays this, it would have been okay because everyone knows that he is a gay actor and we wouldn't have the stereotyping going on. Um, so basically whenever James Corden is on screen in this movie, it sucks. Uh, but also I feel like that's true for pretty much any movie James Corden. Uh, <laughs> But um, the music itself is really nice. I thought the ending was charming. I think it has a couple of... I don't know why Nicole Kidman's in this. Her character does literally nothing except do this big song about Bob Fosse, which is out of place. And, like... The thing is, also, the girl that they're trying to help never once says she likes theater. And their school... It's said their school doesn't have a drama department. Which is like, okay, so why are you excited about these these Broadway people that you don't know coming to help you? She's like, I can't believe these people, you all came here for me. And I'm like, why? You don't know who these people are. <laughs> and then Nicole Kidman's like, this reminds me of when I worked with Bob Fosse. I'm like, what? The, who, who's Bob Fosse to this girl? <laughs> like, <laughs> it makes no sense. Uh, but besides all that, I thought it was really charming. The best part of the movie is, Keegan-Michael Key plays Meryl Streep's love interest, which is amazing. That's an age difference. That's interesting. Yeah, that's interesting. And, and like, he's just a very... Like, usually he's, like, very comedic in, you know, his roles, because that's who he is. But in this, he's, like, like, the very, like... He's the straight man, which... I know, like, I just ranted about gay characters. But you know what I mean? Like, he's the straight man, like, in terms of comedy. He's not wacky at all in it. He's just the love interest who's super nice. Uh... And then I also really liked Andrew Rinellis in it, who kind of plays a role that uh, plays on his Book of Mormon uh, role. Cause he, it was just fun. He's very he's good in it too. Actually, my one thing, last thing I'll say about the movie is that his role in the movie, his big dance number in the movie, has been super hyped. Like he's a part everyone's like, okay, even if you don't like the movie, Andrew Rinellis' number you will like. Uh, and what he does is, uh, the movie is a very clear. This is when Act One would end it on stage. Uh, so when that happens, we jump ahead to the next day and at the end of the first scene of that, the first scene of the act, Andrew Rinellis' character is like, huh, I have an idea on how to turn these townspeople to my side, but I have to go to the mall. And I was like, oh, here it comes. I know the Andrew Rinellis big dance number is in the mall. Uh, and then it goes 25 minutes giving us the other characters. We get four more songs in between. I go, 
Come on. You just said he was going to sing. Why are you making me wait so long? But then he did, did sing and it was great. And anyway, so the prom... I can't really say I recommend it to anyone who doesn't like musicals. Uh, there's nothing in it that you would like if you don't like musicals as an art form. But I enjoyed it. It was nice. So what'd you watch? I I watched... Uh, so this week I actually watched... I finished up my Hobbit trilogy with Battle of the Five Armies. Um, then I watched Fellowship of the Ring and The Two Towers. But I wanted to talk about The Fellowship of the Ring this week. Because uh, I wanted to brag on the inter- interconnectivity of the two trilogies. And it's so much more, it's so evident in the Fellowship. After watching the Hobbit trilogy and following it following it with the Lord of the Rings trilogy, I gained a much deeper appreciation for the storytelling involved in these films. Um, so I argue that Fellowship is actually a stronger film because of the Hobbit films. Hmm. Um, in the Hobbit trilogy, <laughs> in the Hobbit trilogy, we root for Bilbo as our protagonist, and therefore root for his associates, including Gandalf, as well. So when we open Fellowship with Bilbo dealing with the Ring's overwhelming possession and the reunion of Gandalf and Bilbo, there is a welcome sense of familiarity and nostalgia for the previous trilogy's adventures, while also wishing for their future goodwill like when i first watched fellowship of the ring i was like yeah this is an old hobbit he had a ring all of the dragon references didn't make sense and like everything has a gravity added to it now because of the hobbit trilogy um which i have now actually come to as opposed to it when it came out but i've actually come to appreciate now um so it the Hobbit trilogy honestly makes Fellowship a stronger film, especially with Gandalf's scene with the Balrog. There's so much more gravity to that scene. Like I've seen this, I've seen this movie so many times, and I, I actually, I was like, wow, just seeing him fall, fall down that pit, and it's like Gandalf is gone, and this Fellowship is just all falling apart. We've already had Bilbo is just kind of chilling with the elves and spoilers um and gandalf just fell down this pit and it's Wait, like what is what is happening Bilbo? do you mean bilbo or do you mean frodo hanging with the elves because if we're talking about fellowship it's frodo no, right Bil- bilbo's hanging with he bilbo leaves the shire and then he's chilling oh. with the elves like okay sorry uh, it's just yeah. been so long since i've watched it yeah. it's, it's good yeah. uh so it also makes this film a fleshed out changing of the guard and Frodo's connection to Bilbo gives us a deeper reason to cheer for the new group of heroes rather than simply root for them because they are the good guys. So uh, so basic, basically, my thing is, if you're going to watch Fellowship of the Ring, watch the Hobbit trilogy before you watch, watch that. It, well, my argument is it makes it a, it a stronger, stronger film. Not that it wasn't strong, you know, to begin with. But. My thing is that I think is interesting there. Uh, which you mentioned about nostalgia for the Hobbit movies, which to me is also just inherently a weird thing to say, because it'd be like, no offense, like it to me it'd be like saying, oh, I watched A New Hope and I have so much nostalgia for the prequels for because Obi Wan <laughs> is there and it reminds me of when he had the high ground, uh, you know, like that, like it's yeah. just a very weird idea to me because even if it does take place chronologically first, the movies are very clearly shot and made decades apart, way different. Right? Well, yeah, yeah, decades apart and. The storytelling is way different. And then also, I feel like, to me, it's weird to say... 
Especially if you're, like, I don't know if you're implying this is the way you should watch it first. You should watch, like, if you've never seen any of the Miller, if you should watch The Hobbit, and then you should watch Fellowship and the Lord of the Rings trilogy. But to me, that's weird, because the one thing I remember strongly disliking about the first Hobbit movie is the Elijah Wood cameo. Because to mm-hmm. me, it kills what you just said. The idea of you yeah. watching it first and having this Elijah Wood cameo and just being like, oh, who's this guy? And then the next time you see him in the store, he's clearly played by the actor at a much younger age, you know? Yeah. Uh, but I also think, well, it's not even something I think. I want to know, because I, I appreciate what you said about the, the, fell, the Fellowship of the Ring, but I am curious if you can quickly say what you thought about all the five armies, because I actually think that's the most divisive of the Hobbit movies, because a lot of people I know hate it. Like absolutely um, hate the third so movie, even though they like the When I saw it in theaters, obviously the theatrical release isn't going to have all of the extended scenes. Um, I enjoyed it. One. I enjoyed it more this time around with the extended scenes. Um, I I still like it. It was just a straight battle flick. Um, is Which what isn't it, necessarily what it's, great, but it's not. Right. I don't it, know. It's like, just, it's, yeah. it, it feels like three hours of just straight fighting. There's a there's a cut of the Hobbit trilogy out there that someone a fan there someone's made a fan edit. It's called the Cardinal Cut, and uh, they fleshed out the Hobbit trilogy to focus solely on Bilbo and be a lot more true to the books. And ironically enough, isn't. Sorry, each of the extend each of the extended films is roughly three and a half hours. Okay, yeah. this this card the cardinal cut is exactly three and a half hours, and it is all three of those the, of the Hobbit trilogy films I, together into one. I'd so, be extremely curious then how much of it is uh, Battle of the Five Armies because I remember that was also the big criticism when it came out, which is that mm-hmm. the Hobbit the the titular Hobbit is barely in the film. Let's move on to discussing the episode of WandaVision. Take it away, Tyler. <laughs> Spoiler alert, from this point on, we will be discussing the latest episode of WandaVision and possible spoilers for future productions. That said, we do not claim to have knowledge of said future spoilers, but we'll gladly take full credit if such come true. We won't address any leaks, uh, even though I think we're mostly caught up with them. Mostly, though. There is still one more leak out there. Mm-hmm. And our speculations align. It is purely coincidental. So, Tyler, I'm going to let you start out with us, our discussion of all-new Halloween Spooktacular. <laughs> Alright, so although Marvel did well with the 2000s emulation... Uh, this week, I think they missed out on a great opportunity with skipping 90s sitcoms. I think a full house episode could have been pulled off really well. And we have the family. We have the twins. We have the uncle now. We have Wanda and Vision. Um, and we have some neighbors that can throw in some different plot lines there. Uh, so anyways, my main point is Full House is a Warner Brothers franchise. So I think copyright was a concern there. Um, I think uh, what they went with was Fox. So that would have would have. Uh... We skipped the decade. We got it. We got it. <laughs> but it's okay. It's okay. I was saying uh, we skipped the decade in case because a lot. There's, uh, the reason I'm saying that is because I've seen a lot of people on Twitter uh, be like, 
wow, this is so 90s. And I'm like, it's not 90s. I wasn't alive during, well, I was, but I was a baby during the 90s. Like, <laughs> I was four years old. This was, this was 2000s, bro. Uh, and, but you, and I do think Marvel did a good job with the 2000s emulation. And before I get into talking about my stuff, I want to respond to what you said about copyright uh, in Warner Brothers, which is that, yes, Full House is a Warner Brothers property. But, as we know, Daredevil was on Netflix and so was Fuller House. So, in a way, they are the same. <laughs> Marvel and Full House have been connected before. Um, but also not really. <laughs> because uh, no one really knows, about, as, as I mentioned earlier, the canosity of the... Uh, which is such a fun word to say. Say it with me. Canosity. Actually, I don't, oh my gosh. I don't, think it's, I don't actually think that's how you say it. I didn't know uh, if you were talking to me or the audience. <laughs> so, <laughs> I was Follow the bouncing ball. <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, actually, I think Full House might have been avoided because uh, because of Fuller House bringing it back into the popular culture recently. You know that the it's been mined already, the nostalgia yeah. of it. I also think that uh, I read something on Twitter last week. Last week after we recorded our episode, that someone pointed out the theme song last week, which is I think Family Ties mostly uh, are growing. Growing pains. I don't know. Sorry, guys. I'm not. I'm not the sitcom expert till today. But um, apparently, the intro last week had some shots of Full House in them, like some Full House s, like mm-hmm. Valk. Valk. I was about to the, say Falcon. The picnic. Falcon and Vision. Uh, <laughs> that's what the show is. It's a Falcon and Vision show. <laughs> but, but yeah, yeah, the picnic scene. Wanda. Wanda isn't yeah. anywhere. It's just Falcon and Vision. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I want Wanda and the Winter Soldier. Hubba hubba. uh but anyway um you don't want winter vision the the picnic scene you just mentioned yeah that was apparently full housey and speaking as someone who hasn't watched full house i think the style which full full house was it did start in the late 80s yeah so you know they i mean they could they played it that way anyways what were you saying well no i was gonna move on uh i guess technically malcolm the middle's pilot was filmed in the 90s because uh, the show premiered like the first week of January in 2000, uh, it aired from 2000 2006. Uh, here's the thing, guys, both Tyler and the listeners, is that for once, I'm actually very familiar with the sitcom we're addressing this episode. I loved Malcolm in the Middle as a kid. Uh, Malcolm in the Middle is like one of the few shows that we were allowed like adult shows air quote adult shows we were allowed to watch in our house as a kid and eventually it ended up actually getting banned uh because later on the show when malcolm's in high school it gets into like more topics like that are more like well we don't want our seven-year-old watching this type of thing um but the first few seasons are very uh they're classics i love malcolm in the middle i would watch it every night it was on 6 30 on fox after the simpsons which i wasn't allowed to watch uh, and before I get into more on Malcolm in the Middle, I want to talk about The Simpsons briefly. Because I think the idea I saw floating around the internet that would also counter your Warner Brothers thing is how cool would it have been if our 90s episode had been a Simpsons episode? If it would have uh, been cartoon? Yeah, if it had been a cartoon. That, w- uh, that would have been interesting. Community, um, so, which I hope they do a community episode when we get into like later uh, 2000 or 2010s. But uh, anyways, no, Community, um, they they did really well with switching up the 
types of storytelling that they would do. Sometimes they did it through claymation. Sometimes they did it through animation. Um, and so that would have been that would have been really cool. To and we got see. some animation this episode. Yeah, so. yeah, that's true with the with the commercial. So that would have been really cool. No, I like that point that you bring up. It would have been really cool to see Disney go that way. And of course, Disney with their synergy and their cross promoting, they'd be like, "The Simpsons is on Disney Plus, so be sure to watch." After you watch this episode of WandaVision, where we have it be The Simpsons. Um, but I'm also okay with us skipping The Simpsons, because I think... Um, well, as you said, full, I'm okay with skipping the 90s in general, because I think the 90s, the sitcoms that defined it besides Full House, which, as we said, was kind of addressed last week, mm-hmm. uh, were like Friends and Seinfeld, which are family sitcoms. Um, right. So I'm okay with skipping that. I'm also okay with skipping it, because Malcolm in the Middle. Alright, so... To get more into the Malcolm in the Middle stuff, just to explain to the viewers, listen, the viewers, the listeners listening, um, some Malcolm in the Middle stuff is that Malcolm in the Middle. This is one of the early seasons because one, the kids are actually young. Because um, Malcolm in the Middle, like at the beginning, like Reese is in middle school. Reese is the oldest kid who lives with them. Francis, Francis, I think is like in high school or in college. I can't remember because when I was a kid, I didn't care about Francis. Um, <laughs> as well, Francis is the Francis Sorry, is a boring Francis. character. Well, because Fra- no, because Francis doesn't hang out with them. Francis, mm. uh, Francis goes to military school, and then I think he moves to Alaska, and then he gets married in Alaska, and then he moves to Texas. Like he's the one who always has subplots um, about. He's the one who actually grows up in the show, because uh, everyone else stays in school, but he actually has to deal with becoming an adult, which makes him really interesting. Uh, I like Francis now. I like Francis a ton. If I ever catch a Malcolm Middle episode. But when I was a kid, I was like, oh my god, can we go back to the kids? Because Reese, Dewey, yeah. and Malcolm are the actual children on the show. Mm-hmm. And so the later seasons where Malcolm is in high school, I think even the finale, the last season, Dewey gets to high school. And at that point, it's just kind of like, alright, this is too old for us to still be watching this. Uh, because Dewey is like, Dewey is like the weird kid. So it works great when he's like six or seven in the first seasons. Uh, but then when he gets older, it's like, whatever. It's kind of like, a, I don't know if you watched The Middle, which is such a ripoff of Malcolm The Middle, it's even in the title. That The same thing happens there. I've seen, their, yeah, I've seen episodes. With their, like, weird kid. Like, by the time, it's, when he gets older, it's kind of like, alright, the show should have been over already, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. This kid shouldn't be growing up. Because uh, the whole appeal of him is that he's young. Um, but yeah, uh, Malcolm The Middle ended up eventually being banned in my household. Uh <laughs> But before then, I really we watched it every night, and the characters this episode lined up with the Malcolm in the Middle archetypes really well, because Wanda is Lois, and Lois is like the person desperately trying to keep the family together. Vision is Hal, who is the dad in Malcolm in the Middle, played by Brian Cranston, uh, and Hal is like a clueless dad who often goes off on his own, and now I'm thinking. Ugh, Here's the thing also is that this episode I adored the first five minutes because the first five minutes were like pure Malcolm in the middle like entirely pure Malcolm in the middle uh and to the point where when we started getting the actual plot I was like no just let me stay in the Malcolm in the middle world right now uh because the thing is is that there's so many brilliant episodes of Malcolm in the middle I don't wanna, I, I guess I can't get into them because that is such a like a side topic and you'll be like well, Danny, I've never watched Malcolm in the Middle, so can we, can we talk about the, this show? Um, but 
I think it's interesting because what Vision does in this episode, if this episode was comedic, is 100% what Hal would do in a Halloween episode of Malcolm in the Middle. Uh, he would wander he, he would wander off on his own. Like, he would just wander off and be like, yeah, I'm going to go help the neighborhood watch. But then he'd get lost driving around town. And he'd be like, I don't know where I am. And then he'd like try to ask people for help. And he'd encounter... Because Malcolm Middle was basically a live-action cartoon type of humor. And you get that type of humor in this episode when it gets humor. Um, it's very anarchic. Uh, but I also think Malcolm Middle is interesting. And this episode doesn't touch into it. Is, is that it's like... I think family sitcoms inherently, because they're about family, do have emotional backbones. And I think Malcolm in the Middle had an incredibly weird emotional backbone that, like, really worked for me as a kid. Like, there are two episodes as a kid of any TV show that really, like, I don't want to say traumatized me, but left a huge impact on me. One of them is the episode of SpongeBob, when uh, his grandma is, uh, his grandma, he's like, I want to be an adult because my grandma's giving me kisses and everyone at work is making fun of me. And so he goes to, like, his grandma's house and, like, He's like, I'm an adult now, so you're not allowed to love me anymore. And then, like, his grandma teaches him that, like, it's okay to still be a kid around your grandma. And, like, that really, like, emotionally affected me as a kid. Because it's, like, to show him that grandma, like, abandons him entirely. And it's, like, oh, <laughs> Like, it was, it was very traumatizing. But Malcolm in the Middle, this is the one episode I'll talk about. Is there's an episode where they go to Hal's family for the family reunion. And Hal's family hates Lois. Because uh, Lois is, you know, his wife. Uh, they hate Lois. And near the end of the episode, well, the whole episode, Malcolm and the rest of the kids are misbehaving because that's what they do. Like, that's the point. They're, they're horrible children. That's what Malcolm in the Middle is. They're absolutely horrible children, even though Malcolm's like a genius. Uh, but at the end of the episode, they take a family picture, and one of, like, their aunts says, Hey, Lois, can you go grab this for me? in the house and Lois trying to impress her sister-in-law is like yeah sure I'd love to do it and then when she comes back she discovers they've already taken the photo purposely without her and like it is like Ouch. a devastating moment because like she breaks down crying and Lois is like the strong like she's the no-nonsense strong mom and Hal's the goofy dad and like in response what happens is because also this is like a later season so Francis has reformed himself and be good and the episode is also kind of about Francis proving himself to his extended family that he's a good kid now. And at the end of the episode, Francis decides to take him and his brothers in a golf cart and drive it into the pool, the expensive golf cart that their family has, and drive into the pool to get revenge for their mom. And then they drive home, and Lois is like, I can't believe you did that. But then she's also like, but I love you guys for doing it for me. And it's like a really... See, I'm going to get actually kind of emotional talking about it. To me, it's that is the core Malcolm in the Middle experience is that they're all really not... I don't want to say they're horrible people because they're not. They're just people kind of struggling. Whereas I feel like most sitcoms I've seen more from when I was a kid is more like... Like, the, like from what the show has cackled, like Full House and the Brady Bunch, it is much more utopian than what Malcolm in the Middle is. Mm-hmm. And... To me, I wanted more of that emotion in this episode. Uh, but I get why we didn't, because this isn't a Malcolm in the Middle show. <laughs> I'm sorry that I'm monologuing about this show, but there is no other point in my life I'm ever going to get a chance to like, gush about Malcolm in the Middle. <laughs> like, I'd be completely like, this is the one time it is relevant <laughs> for me to be talking about Malcolm in the Middle. But I can move on. Um, so, Wanda is Lois, Vision is Hal, and Petro... 
I know you 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 wanted Uncle Petro, but you actually got brother Petro this episode because Petro is definitely Francis's episode. Because uh, Francis, in the early seasons, he was in middle military school, and when he would visit home, he'd come home to corrupt his brothers a bit more. Uh, and that's what he was in this episode. Like it would be like Hal's like, well, I got plans, and Lois is like, well, I got plans, and Francis would be like, well, I can take my brothers, and they're like, Francis, you better not mess them up. Like that is literally what a Malcolm Middle episode. Yeah, I liked I liked when uh, when Pietro uh, had them drinking out of the sides of the soda cans. Yeah, that is 100% yeah, something that, Francis mm-hmm. would do on the show. Uh, but yeah, and but I was a little disappointed that the twins weren't more differentiated between Malcolm, and Reese, and Dewey. Because they all, like, again, on Malcolm Middle, they're all very distinct characters. And I feel like the twins on this show have not really been distinct. Uh, and this would have been a good time to do it. Even though, as I Malcolm Middle has three kids and this has two. You could easily put one of them, make one of them smarter. That would have been our Malcolm. And he'd be the only one talking to the camera. And then Reese is like, Reese is just, he's kind of like Francis. He's like, that's the whole point of the show. It's like, he's going to become Francis if he doesn't get his act together. Mm-hmm. And Dewey's the weird kid. And we could have had one of them be one of those two. Probably more Dewey because, as I said, Petro kind of fit the Francis archetype. Um, but yeah. Uh, and then Agnes, who gets upgraded to being in the theme song good for her right she got she got a contract billing her contract went up she gets to be the opening credits um but notice that like she was shafted in this episode and that's because malcolm middle never had a regular female role besides lois to me Uh, which lois is wanda yeah lois is wanda lois is the mom on malcolm middle um but yeah uh that's why that's the new I like oh that's why Agnes wasn't in this much because there is no that's kind of the point too of Lois is that she's the one woman in a world like surrounded by men and that's also also goes back to the Malcolm in the Middle is very much a cartoony thing because Lois is keeping together and Hal is like useless and that's pretty much any family sitcom cartoon is like the dad is useless and the mom is like all right kids now let's work and then you know what I mean like it's like how Homer Simpson is useless you know yeah uh, but yeah, uh, that's why Agnes was shafted. And that is most of my Malcolm in the Little rant. So we can move on to talk about something well, else. Well, Agnes was only in, the, in this episode for a tiny bit when Vision discovers her in the car at a stop sign. And she just seems as much of a prisoner as Norm was found to be in the last episode. So I wanted to, wanted to get your take on that. I think she's still a witch. But she may be under Wanda's spell. Um, I think. I think. I think it's a red herring, possibly. I think. I think the, she's dressed as a witch, because that's the thing. She's dressed as a witch for Halloween. Yeah. And then she does the witch laugh. Um. I think, though, from what we've seen in this episode, I'm willing to back off on her being anybody. Uh, I'm willing to say that we might be in an what I call an Iron Man three situation, where they cast Ben Kingsley. Oh and, no! And well, but you know yeah. what I mean. Like they cast, yeah. like, they cast. All, the even huge... though, even though I love the Trevor Slattery character, but anyway, yeah, well, I yeah. love Trevor too. He's great. He's hilarious. Um, but they cast him because they like, oh, we got the big actor for the villain, and the actual villain is Guy Pierce. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they're pulling the same trick again because they knew casting Catherine Hahn and giving her the end credit um, make people be like, oh, who is she? Who is she? And. I think it'd honestly be okay if she's a normal person. Uh, 
it kind of goes though with that thing where and i'll say this later is i don't know how we have three episodes left in this i don't I don't understand that. I don't think there's enough story left to fill three episodes, especially the three episodes are supposed to be longer episodes. Um, this one, this week was shorter than last week. But I this noticed. week, I think though, I think this week, the rumor was always episodes one through six is 30 minutes and the other ones are more around 50 to 60 minutes. So this should be the end of the short episodes, hopefully. Yeah. Um, hopefully, well... We disagree. We haven't actually discussed this much. Is that me and Tyler disagree on episode lengths? I think it's okay that the episode lengths are shorter because one, these are sitcoms, um, and two, I think the episodes. I don't think we need to pad the episodes longer than they need to be. And I actually thought this episode had some padding. Uh, personally, I don't know. It just felt long to me. This episode did. Mm. Last week felt like a lot more was going on. Uh, this was more like a transition episode to the end, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, I uh, I like the the uh, I like the hour long format. Um, see, I think that you can do less episodes in a season, but do longer longer episodes. Well, I, I agree with that. I just think for this show, it's okay that it's short. Peaky Blinders does really well, but. Yeah, no, I will agree with you on how they said from the beginning that this show would capture the essence of sitcoms through the ages. So I think having the the shows at the length that they are as long as much as I want longer episodes, it's what we've what I've been conditioned to expect. You know, I mean, you look at like Game of Thrones, Peaky Blinders, they're all hour to hour and a half long episodes. So okay. But so you now, might have been conditioned to expect that from HBO, but what have you been conditioned right. to expect from Disney Plus? Have you watched The well, Mandalorian? Those episodes are like, they once pulled it. I remember this season, like, the first, the premiere was like 50 minutes. Or it was like, yeah, these are going to be long episodes now. And then, like, the next week it was like 30 minutes. And then the Boba Fett episode was like 22 minutes mm-hmm. <laughs> with credits. And everyone was like, what? <laughs> so... You gotta adjust your expectations for the Disney Plus, man. Their shows are short, you know what I mean? I'll say one last thing about Malcolm the Metal, okay? This will be the last thing, well, unless there's relevant stuff later on. This will be the last long thing I say about Malcolm the Metal, is that, like, as I said, I really adored the first five minutes. And the humor of this episode is incredibly 2000s. Like, the wacky cutaways, the sound effects while they cut away. Uh, like, I'm talking about, like, the flashback to them as kids, you know? Uh, and that's why I really love the first five minutes because it is like an episode of Malcolm in the Middle. And I guess this is the more due to my familiarity with the sitcom that's being parodied. Normally, you know, I'm like, all right, these jokes are funny because they're funny. And I got really sad when we moved past the first five minutes because Paul Bettany was entirely channel- channeling Brian Cranston's iconic performance as Hal um, within the first five minutes. But then as soon as he's gone, it's he's it's gone. You know, and I think Brian Cranston, and granted, this is because of my personal, um, dis- uh, sorry, because of my personal, um, because of my personal familiarity with the property, uh, and with unfamiliarity with other sitcoms, is Brian Cranston is one of the best, um, sitcom dads ever. Uh, I love him, uh, and the thing is, is that 
I actually haven't watched Breaking Bad because I love Brian Cranston. Well, that's not that's not the main reason why, but part of the reason is I'm like, well, I've already seen Brian Cranston and Malcolm Metal. I don't need to. See, I know he's talented. <laughs> like you know, like, I don't need I don't need to watch him be a meth lord. <laughs> um, but yeah, I was just bummed when we moved. That that's basically this is. If you have to take one thing away from Danny from this episode, is that Danny wished uh, it was just you was just watching Malcolm in the Middle. I was honestly tempted. I was like, man, I could just switch over to Amazon Prime and watch a couple episodes of Malcolm in the Middle right now. I don't, I don't need to watch this episode. Oh wait, I do because I have to record a podcast about this. Ugh. No Malcolm in the Middle for me. But yeah, Malcolm in the Middle rules. You should check it out. <laughs> <laughs> Watch the bowling episode. It got nominated for an Emmy. This episode is just a promotion for Malcolm in the Middle. <laughs> bowling episode of Malcolm in the Middle was the most revolutionary episode I've seen in my life as a child. And don't worry, I'm not going to explain why. <laughs> so, mo- moving on. Uh, the presence of Billy and Tommy in the same scene as Wanda and Vision has added a need for subtleties between the ki- between the couple, but it's brought another layer of tension into the conflict between the two, and their conflict can no longer be out in the open as it was at the end of last week's episode, which I know we had the twins last week, but they were presumably asleep when the two had their presumably, conversation, heated conversation. I think presumably is a, the big word there, because the kids do clearly know something's up, because yes, one of them talks yes. directly to the camera. Well, do, like, yeah. Mom's being, mom and dad have been acting weird lately. Uh, I was actually kind of surprised in terms of um, the show's storytelling. Also, the kids didn't say to the camera, like, for some reason it's Halloween today. I don't understand how this works because yesterday it was like, you know, because, you know, last episode, they're like, but it was Saturday this morning. Why is he at work? You know what I mean? Mm hmm. And then this episode opens with Vision walking downstairs in a costume. Oh, and by the way, we don't have this in our notes, but I really love the line where it's like, oh, that's a nice costume. And Vision's like, it's literally the only thing I had to wear in my... Yeah. (laughs) And I was like, ooh, that... There's, like, a nice subtle... Like, I don't... Because it's not subtle, but, like, there's a darkness to that where it's like, honey, I can't choose anything else to wear. What are you talking about? (laughs) Well, and and that's, like, that's the, the part of the episode that I'm referencing is that the whole conversation between the two they're they're digging at each other um and it's it's a it, they have that need to where they can't necessarily just say what they're what's on their minds because of the of the kids being there and really because of uh Pietro being there now um yeah Pietro so, is a, well we'll we'll get to him but he's a much weirder dynamic than I even expected him yeah yeah expected uh i expected something more well we'll get into it we'll get into it because i i think he's someone who you don't think he is according to our notes so we'll Mm. get to it so but speaking of quicksilver uh is that my big thing that stood out to me joke wise in a meta sense is that someone called quicksilver kick-ass which is kind of funny because the movie Kick-Ass, which I've actually never seen, uh, starred both Evan Peters and Aaron Taylor Johnson. Uh, so it was a good... Well, it's also... It's okay. That has been a meme since they've both been cast. It's like people have been like, oh, I love Quicksilver. And just posted a picture of the two of them together in Kick-Ass. Mm-hmm. So I felt like this was kind of Marvel acknowledging that meme. 
but I also just thought it was like, huh, does Kick-Ass exist in the world of Marvel? Is Does Aaron Taylor dun, Johnson dun, dun, and Peters exist in the world of Marvel? And now we're entering into the celebrity paradox, which I'm pretty sure we've already entered because I think, if I remember right, actually, in Endgame, I think Tony calls Thor Lebowski and, like, yeah. And the bad guy in Iron Man 1 is obviously Jeff Bridges, who plays the dude in The Big Lebowski. Uh, so it's, like, kind of like, wow, we're entering into Celebrity Paradox there. We did already enter into Celebrity Paradox there, because who plays who plays the dude in the MCU? Because it can't be Jeff Bridges, because we know Jeff Bridges is Obadiah Stane. Uh, and then here it's, like, kick-ass to Evan Peters, who, yeah, but yeah. In Civil War, I thought it was funny when Peter Parker mentions Star Wars. And then we also have Samuel L. Jackson, who was Mace Windu in the prequels, that he is also Nick Fury. So to me, I'm like... There's a lot of celebrity paradox going on in here. Like, uh, we, we either have something of that going on or the prequels don't exist in the MCU. The Star Wars prequels don't exist in the MCU. Well, I'm sure there's been a point where Guardians have done it too, you know? Guardians of the Galaxy has to have done it at some point. I just can't think of any. Because the one that yeah. sticks out to me is Kevin Bacon. But Kevin Bacon has not shown up in the MCU uh, yet. Well, he's been in an X-Men yet. movie, so, you know. Because uh, he was the bad guy in first class. But yeah, yet. Uh, but yeah, that's my opinion on Pedro for now, is that I guess they were both in Kick-Ass. What it... <laughs> <laughs> what did what did you think of Pietro's reply uh, to when Wanda asked him what happened to your accent, and then he just doubled up on that and was like, "What happened to your accent?" Uh, I thought it was really funny. We had just what? talked about that last week, uh, but but yeah, I thought well, that's a meta way to acknowledge that, you know. But uh, do uh, you have? I it? thought. What do you was, think about uh, that? Well, I think it's really funny to call out the consistency of the accent. Because as I mentioned mentioned before, she kind of lost the action in Civil War and Infinity War already. And now she suddenly has it back. And I think it's funny also to mention that with the idea of this being a recast. Because uh, I think Edward Orton and Terrence Howard are wondering why there's such a big deal about recasts on this show. <laughs> because uh, clearly the MCU has recast them before and just moved on, right? Like... And now we're suddenly yeah. like, well, wow, why is he recast in universe? And it just, it doesn't open up a can of worms. Like it's something we can very easily buy. Um, but to me, it's just funny that the MCU is now like, wow, now their accents are slipping, and now they've recast a character, and it's like, dude, you've done this before. Like, this isn't new. <laughs> like, it, you can't just, you can't. Just, it's kind of like, it's like my pet peeve in musicals. Uh, which I don't know if I've ever told you this before, but my pet peeve in musicals is when a character just goes. It's kind of like you've seen Moana, right? No, actually. Okay, well, there's well, wow, come <laughs> on, Tyler, Moana's great. That, that's that's your homework. You're you gotta welcome. Watch Moana. <laughs> yeah, that's all I yeah. know. <laughs> well, in Moana, uh, so it's like a normal Disney musical, but then at one point, uh, Jemaine Clement, who shows up as a singing crab in it, he goes, uh. I think it's so one of the characters is like, wait, so why do you want shiny stuff? He's like, I'm not going to tell you, but I am going to sing it to you. And I hate when characters in musicals go like, well, I'm going to sing now because they don't do it before every song, right? Right. <laughs> like, they, so it's like, 
I hate like that. That's a pet peeve about musicals to me, and it's like it's diegetic versus non-diegetic. And I think mentioning the recast and the accent as like inconsistent things is ridiculous because the MCU has indulged in both already. Uh, but that's just another little rep from me, which is like, what? Like, but I don't have as much of an issue with, with the recast because it's clearly part of the story. But it's also just like, okay, so why wasn't it part of the story when Don Cheadle came in? Uh, I know why it wasn't, because it would have been really stupid to make the yeah. plot of Iron Man 2 being like, someone stole Rhodey's identity. Um, but it's just weird to me, like, you know. But yeah. Uh, that's that's my opinion. On, like, the joke was funny. Um, I definitely was like, ooh, when he said that. I really don't want to hear Evan Peters try to do a Sokovian accent. No, that I to don't. me is like the least, <laughs> I don't least appealing thing imaginable. Like the concept of Uncle Pietro was fun in this episode. Um, Francis so... Pietro. Sorry, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so speaking of Evan Peters and Aaron Taylor Johnson, it was interesting that Wanda very clearly has no idea of how this version of Quicksilver appeared in her reality opposed to the Aaron Taylor Johnson version. And she asked even Peter, even Pe- even Peters about this later later in the episode. Even Peters. So, <laughs> even Peters. <laughs> we see a version of Quicksilver with bullet holes in him, echoing the fate of Aaron T- Taylor Johnson's Quicksilver at the end of Age of Ultron. So, in saying that, are we seeing an alternate reality Quicksilver, a revived Quicksilver, or perhaps another hostage of Wanda's reality that has been granted powers? similar to Quicksilver's because we know Wanda can clearly grant powers to people as she has done with the twins well first my response to that is a question to you is also what you just said are you telling me you think the twins are kidnapped children because this episode kind of confirmed that Wanda kidnapped children but she keeps them hidden in the basement (laughs) (laughs) which is kind of disturbing in its own way but I guess it's okay that it's better to keep them asleep than to totally mentally traumatize them (laughs) i i think that um, i think the twins really are their i think the constructs i think they're constructs of of the hex yeah um because to me i would think well first off i think we got to remove the possibility that it's another hostage uh i don't think she can grant powers to people Mm -hmm. because she hasn't granted powers to the twins the twins just naturally have them as constructs of her um, and obviously Vision and her have powers because they have powers, right? Yeah. Um, I think what is interesting is, um, well, here's the thing. I'm surprised that you haven't brought up that it could be Mephisto. Because uh, to me, the way he was behaving in this episode... This was, like, the closest I've been, like, yeah, Tyler might be right on this Mephisto thing. Are you thing. saying that think... Evan Peters is Mephisto? Yeah, I would say that's the most logical thing, because I think he's very clearly not Fox Quicksilver. Uh, I think if he was Fox Quicksilver, he wouldn't be He wouldn't be so knowing about what's going on, you know? Yeah. He knows way too much about what's going on to be just the transplanted Fox Quicksilver. Uh, Evan unless, Peters would unless... make a, a good... Uh, Mephisto. We've seen in uh, American Horror Story that he can play... Well, I haven't watched American oh, Horror Story. Oh my gosh, you're missing out. 
Um, All right. Acting. Well, you so, have permission to talk about it if you want. <laughs> you talk for twenty minutes about Malcolm Lamell. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm gonna go on a twenty minute rant about American Horror Story. No. Uh, no. Anyways, I like my point is with in American Horror Story, Evan Peters. It's an anthology, so yeah. um, th- very few of the seasons are technically direct sequels to um, to other seasons. Like Apocalypse is a direct sequel to Coven. Um, but all it's a bunch of the actors play different characters within those seasons, even playing multiple characters within the same season. Like after watching American Horror Story, Evan Peters, like his, he has a wide magnitude of acting that he can do, of characters that he can portray. So I, I would definitely hop that that cart. Can be added on to the Mephisto train, Danny, and uh, well, yeah, there's room for you to hop wanna, on. <laughs> so, well, the thing is with him is like he's clearly a bad influence on the twins, right? He is such an obviously that's like, true horrible, horrible influence on the twins. All right, uh, next we'll talk about the commercials, and uh, well, I just have <laughs> commercials listed because I felt like this was a weird one. Uh, and this is something where I unfortunately must say, Tyler, I have engaged in this course already on the commercials, so I would rather have your, uh, unsullied opinion on the commercial first this week before I regurgitate what I read online to everyone. This is the one thing I'll have to regurgitate what I read online to people on. I'm sorry. I could not resist looking at commercial analysis. The beginning of it was extra cheesy, I thought. Um, which was early 2000s, but, uh... Oh, I thought the animation style in general felt very early 2000s. It reminded yeah, me of Pop-Tarts yeah, commercials. Did. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, the yogurt, uh, yogurt was like, do you remember growing up that, like, yogurt went through this really cool, yeah, yogurt's cool phase. Yeah, like, like Gogurts and Danimals. Gogurts and, like, the Danimals. Yogurts, and then, uh, yeah, Danimals, and then People you called me Danimal once as a kid. <laughs> then you could freeze yogurt and have frozen yogurt. Yeah, hey, frozen so, yogurt is still really good though. It no, it is. I I will not turn down some froyo. Uh, so <laughs> let's so, talk about it, yogurt. <laughs> let's talk What's about your yogurt. For Twenty yogurt? minutes. So this is the yogurt rant. Uh, anyways, the the commercial was like I said, very very cheesy, very early two thousands at the beginning. But it took a turn that I did not expect. Yeah. Um, Most of these with, commercials end, the, like, as normal things. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. But then I was like, this is very clearly not promoting this product because the lids are really hard to get off. And <laughs> you're going to die if, you, if that's the one thing that you have to eat. I love so, that you're looking at this, like, to me, that's funny, because you're looking at this from, like, a totally logical stance. Like, how would this serve to market their product? Well, I mean, like, working in marketing, that's how. That's what I'm looking at. I'm like, this is a horrible marketing venture. So. Oh, my. Yeah, that's but, great. I love that that's how you, what you took away from it. Because <laughs> to me, what I took away from the ending was, like, wow, the um, Wanda is, like, because, you know, the commercials are... To me, the commercials are like a trip into Wanda's psyche. That's how mm-hmm. I've always looked at them. And this one just usually they end like with a, well, we're actually ignoring what's wrong here. This is like, no, 
you die. <laughs> like, it's, it's, <laughs> and it's like, but don't worry. We're moving on. Buy our yogurt. And it's like, what just happened? <laughs> um, I, I, do you want I thought me to... I thought Sorry, it was go going to turn into a promotion into, like, this was really hard to get, like, a regular yogurt cup. It's really hard to take the lid off of. But it's so much better if you have yogurt in a tube, like the Gogurt, if they would have went that way <laughs> with it. I thought it was going to go like, that why, way. because Why didn't we talk about Gogurt? <laughs> <laughs> but it didn't. The guy just dies. It, like, I laughed because that's, it, like, laughter laughter is a release of it's a catharsis it's a release of tension it in uh inside and i wasn't expecting that and i'm like okay uh maybe we'll get like someone saying cut no we need to go back and redo this but yeah no like animation is is not something that you're going to get like you shoot animation one time as long as you don't change the drawing or you don't change the programming in the computer, animation is going to give you the same results every single time. So I'm like this. This commercial was very purposeful in how it was portrayed. So I I think Do at the end of all this... Do you want me to regurgitate the discourse I saw online, or would we rather keep our podcast uh, unsullied by the others of the society? <laughs> unsullied? <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, I, th- I think getting some... Uh some outside perspective would be good uh the analysis i read was that uh this might have revealed the game <laughs> like revealed what's going on because what is the commercial the commercial is this guy is very sad on an island away from anyone else and then this magical shark walks up to him and goes how would you like to ha- be happy and have some yogurt and then they make a deal like I would love to have this yogurt that is labeled magic. Uh, and so the shark gives them what they want, but they what they want they can't really use. So what if Wanda was offered to someone, hey, I can bring vision back for you and you can be happy again. And Wanda's like, sure, I'll take that. And then, and then Wanda um, tries to take vision away from Westview and as we see later on in the episode, that can't happen. So Wanda and Vision would then be stuck to die in their own, live their whole lives in a prison, basically, mm. and die. Uh, so wait, that was the analysis saying, I read. <laughs> are you saying that Mephisto is a giant shark? Well, what do we? <laughs> what, have you ever watched the show Shark Tank? Yes. You know, sharks are just opportunistic people looking for power, right? That's true. Yeah. Um, that's the analysis I read. I was like, yeah, all that checks out. Because, uh, and I was okay. I'm okay with regurgitating this analysis because I was pretty dumbfounded by it. I was like, I don't, I don't understand. <laughs> you know? Yeah. No, that, yeah, that's a really good, that's a really good uh, theory. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, that that's the commercials. Uh I also thought the animation was nice in the commercials. Uh, I don't think it was actually stop motion, though. I think it was probably mm-hmm. CG to look like stop motion. Yeah, but I, I think thought it was so cool. Um, but okay, uh, so that's the commercial. So more proof that we skipped a decade. Because as I said, I saw on Twitter people were like, oh, it's the 90s episode. Malcolm in the Middle is so 90s. That's not 90s. Malcolm in the Middle is not a 90s show. How dare you? Um, but also more proof is that the movie feeder is showing The Incredibles 
which came out in 2004, and The Parent Trap, which I assumed was the 1998 remake, which would make, like, because that's, you know, if it's The Incredibles, I'm going to just assume it's the 1998 remake. I saw someone on Twitter be like, uh, I think it's the 60s one because The Incredibles kind of takes place in the 60s. I'm like, well, yeah, but this episode clearly takes place during Malcolm in the Middle. So that's right. the 2000s. Uh, so yeah. I'm going to go if it's the 1998 uh, Parent Trap. Not that we're ever going to get that confirmed or not. Unless they just randomly say in the last episode, like, by the way, the movie Fooder was showing the 1998 remake of The Parent Trap. If you want to watch this on Disney+. Plus. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you fit with the show for, to me, obvious reasons because the parent trap, and as I complained earlier, these twins haven't been differentiated at all, which is the plot of the parent trap, <laughs> is that these twins can be confused with each other. Um, even though we are getting differentiation now with our superpowers. Um, and speaking of superpowers, obviously, uh, right after we see this movie feeder marquee, uh, Tommy starts running around really fast, which is like, probably in my, maybe you disagree, but I think one of the most iconic scenes in the original Incredibles is when Dash starts running everywhere, even though he knows he can run fast. But, you know, like, he gets to really show off his powers mm-hmm. uh, in that scene. And I actually think, hot take, the Incredibles, that scene in the Incredibles is still the best scene of depicting super speed in a movie. Sorry, uh, Evan Peters, for uh, in your Days Future Fast scene. I think it's way cooler to see super speed depicted at the actual speed it is than in slow motion. You know what I mean? Yeah. And there's I've, a lot I of like really cool parts. slow motion done sparingly. Yeah, and, like, in The Incredibles, it's got, like... To me, I always think of that moment when, like, Dash trips, right? And he just desperately tries to get up. Because if he doesn't... You know, like, because otherwise he's screwed. Like, if he trips, <laughs> like, he's probably dead. He's not durable, you know? Yeah. Like, he has to, Like, that is... It's more nerve-wracking in The Incredibles watching him run and try to not trip over stuff than it is in... Dates Future Past watching Quicksilver because Quicksilver is like invincible, right? It's more interesting to have our heroes be vulnerable. Uh, but that's a side note, and that to me is like also just I felt like Tommy even looked like that, and even Quicksilver looked like Dash today, even though I guess that's how Quicksilver looks in the comics. But like the hair was very like Dash in the Incredibles. Yeah. Oh, uh, speaking of, oh, yeah. speaking of, I do want to touch on that. Speaking of like the costume, I looked up a uh, like one of the original. <clears throat> comic book renditions of Quicksilver and Evan Peters's costume, Halloween costume. They did such a good job recreating that with the different like they they made it look like it was just thrown together, but it was very very purposeful and I I'm glad I you looked really that up. appreciated that. Because yeah. I knew I knew Vision and Scarlet Witch were close to their Yes. Con- yeah. I knew that like from the trailers when the trailers came out mm-hmm. and they showed them. So I was curious about was it the same for uh Billy and Tommy in their costumes? Billy I noticed Billy and Tommy, was um I did I actually did not look them up, but I think that I thought Billy's reason, costume was weird. I thought uh, Billy's costume was supposed to look more like Wanda's. It and... looks to me like Doctor Strange. Oh, like, gotcha. Like, yeah, well, that's I, why I, I was think... very confused. I was like, huh. I, I, like, not not looking back at the comics, I think that they went, like, they very much, the creators very much wanted you to know that Tommy's got super speed, which is why he dressed like Pietro, and, uh, and Billy's going to be more like his mother, which is why his he's got the same colors at least. Um, like wearing the same colors is what 
what Wanda is wearing. So. Okay. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry. Yeah, but, like, yeah. <laughs> all right, I agree. Uh, you you okay. were just staring forward. I'm like, Danny, did you fall asleep? I also thought of the parent trap being a reference to the hex, being that the hex is Wanda's trap, and Wanda is the parent in the scene with the marquee. And then The Incredibles is also a story about a superhero family, which is really what this show has become. And yeah, I gotta say with that particular note on the Mega Superhero Family is I know you have it, spoiler alert for what you have in your notes talking about later, is that you think the teens are going to grow up next week. Uh, yeah. And I kind of hope the teens, the kids, okay, this is me just being me, is like, I know we're building up for Young Avengers, but I really like the dynamic of these actually being kid superheroes. I think we don't have that in the MCU. And I we, think it'd be really cool... No for the young avengers team to be incredibly diverse in age and just actually have these kids be like by that point they'll be like 13 or 14 uh i would be down for that and i kind of don't want these kids to age anymore i think the actors they got are really good for these kids i Mm -hmm. because usually when you cast kids like this here's the thing is like these are the same actors we had last week and i think they're doing a great job differentiating the decades and it's way more impressive for me for that to be kids doing that differentiating the decades than it is for, like, Paul Bettany and Elizabeth Olsen, who are, like, they're good actors, and they've done a really good job with it. Um, but I don't want to lose these kid actors. I think they're really good, and I think it'd be a shame if we move them and aging them up. Because um, they're going to naturally be older anyway by the time they get to Young Avengers. Yeah. Uh, and I think the the person they got from Miss Marvel, I think she's, like, 15, which is also still... Like, that's very young compared to, like, Kaylee Steinfeld and Florence Pugh. And I think having right. these kids as super young Avengers would be really cool. And I like the. I also just like the dynamic of what I think. The Incredibles is the only property we have where it's like a superhero family where they're actually children. Uh, with Dash, and I think that'd be really cool to have in the MCU, especially when we assume that Vision is not going to survive the show. Um, I think the idea of Wanda being a single mom with two ten-year-olds is very compelling in and of itself, too. Um. But my, I guess my point is is that I like the Incredibles dynamic that we got from this episode. I mm-hmm. don't really want to lose it, even if we do move on in the show, you know? Yeah. Um, and now <laughs> we've reached uh, Danny's negative rant. Uh, where It's the part of the show where Danny starts talking about... Uh, kind of a meta-commentary of it. That I'm trying to be... Like, I, I like, it's something where I feel like I have to say it. Uh, and it's something where I would feel kind of wrong not talking about it because it has to do with my moral stances on media. Uh, and I, I see Tyler. You guys don't see this. Tyler's leaning back right now. We're like, oh god, I gotta deal with this. I've gotta um, be. I, I'm just getting comfy. <laughs> yeah, okay, so Disney, right? They're the massive conglomerate. They they take the, They are the conglomerate. It's them and Comcast in the world. And Disney constantly buys out other stuff and does what they want with it. And this, I was talking about the show with a friend of mine who hates Marvel and hates Disney. And I'm always kind of like, well, I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> like, you know, like you're not wrong that what Disney does is kind of morally iffy at points. But I still like the show. But this episode kind of put in perspective to me. I get what they're saying, even though I'm still 
enjoying for the most part what they're getting but i do think giving that viewpoint airtime in this podcast is worthwhile uh so if you don't want to hear me rant about disney and their practices you might want to skip ahead five minutes uh but otherwise i'm going to talk about this is that disney has this really bad habit of buying stuff and pretending it was their idea and it being them stuff their stuff all along and i want to point out that this episode does it more than anything I've seen it in general is that so I want to put just put bluntly on the table and then delve into it is that this sequence where we see them talking in front of it is that we see Marvel characters talking to a character an act a casting that was bought by Fox in a parody of a show that was bought by Fox while behind them there is a movie feeder showing a Disney movie and a Pixar movie where Pixar was bought by Disney in 2006 uh and Disney takes us credit and frames of property they buy as stuff they came up with as their own. Uh, and this kind of was brought to light when Disney Plus was launched. And they labeled Miracle on 34th Street as a Disney movie. Like it said, Disney, Miracle on 34th Street. Uh, and Miracle on 34th Street is like a movie from the 40s that was made by Fox at the time. The idea of labeling it as a Disney movie is patently ludicrous. Uh because it's not a Disney movie at all. It is a Fox film that was bought by Disney. I think Disney did the same thing with Sound of Music. And I think it's... Well, Malcolm in the Middle isn't on Disney+. Plus, So to me, the synergy wasn't as bad as it could be. Because, But as you said, Disney bought Fox and Malcolm in the Middle is owned by Disney. I think there's a rights issue that it's not on Disney+. Plus. Uh, and of course, Marvel itself was bought by Disney... But we just talk about it offhand as being like a Disney thing. Like it's WandaVision on Disney Plus. And I think also note that the recap of this episode we talked. It include Aaron Taylor Johnson's Quicksilver. But does not include any scenes from the X-Men movies. Which kind of goes with my thing of me thinking I don't think this is X-Men Petra. And I think there's something to be said that if Evan Peters ends up not playing Fox Quicksilver... What Disney has essentially done with this show has taken the good casting of Evan Peters as Quicksilver. Because, okay, the Fox movies have good casting in them. Like, obviously, Hugh Jackman is great casting as Wolverine. Stuff like that. Like, they've had good decisions in there. But Disney takes credit for them. And if Evan Peters isn't playing Quicksilver in it. What Disney has essentially done has is they have taken a piece of good casting that Fox has done and repurposed it as one of their own good castings where it's like, yeah, he was okay as Quicksilver, but the real quick real Quicksilver will always be Aaron Taylor Johnson. And this is a fake Quicksilver. Uh which is played by the Fox one. Because the Fox ones were fake movies. And they were fake movies. I think Days of Future Past is a very legitimate movie. Um, and even if Apocalypse and Dark Phoenix are bad movies, that doesn't change the fact that they are legitimate efforts to be excellent movies. You know, like, they are not, they are not Disney, they weren't Fox trying to purposely screw over Disney. That's a narrative people want to put out there, and Disney wants to put out there, so that way their Marvel is the real Marvel. Um, which is why if Evan Peters is Mephisto, I'm going to be disappointed in a meta sense. Because I think that is another thing that Disney has done that is wrong which is buy these things and repurpose them as their own. And that goes with Malcolm in the Middle too, in that Malcolm in the Middle is not on Disney+. Plus. And, and this also goes to the other sitcoms that I'm not as aware of, is that there is now this whole thing where people will watch these sitcoms. They'll watch WandaVision 
And they'll go to these sitcoms and be like, oh, well, this is like that WandaVision episode. And it's like, no, because to be blunt, this episode was not as good as the Malcolm in the Middle episodes. Um, and people are going to always now relate the show. Like, younger people are going to always relate this show, Malcolm in the Middle, to like, they're going to watch the show and then go to Malcolm in the Middle. Like, as I said, that you should do. And I think that's a real shame. And I think it's a real shame that if Evan Peters is not playing the Fox Quicksilver and he's playing, like, Mephisto or something, it is Disney rewriting the Evan Peters' legacy of being one of the great parts of the X-Men franchise at Fox. Because I think the X-Men franchise at Fox is inherently, like, I don't want to, like, it's a mixed, it's a mixed bag. That is what it is. But I think the MCU is also a mixed bag at points. Uh, we just don't talk about how, like, bad the MCU could be at points. Uh... And that's my little rant here, is that I think the movie theater marquee having Disney synergy with the Evan Peters cast, and clearly to me, to me clearly he's not playing Fox Quicksilver anymore, and it's all within a Malcolm in the Middle parody that's being portrayed by Marvel characters, is like, it really just embodies the negativity of Disney synergy to me, is that the creators of Malcolm in the Middle, um, the people who decided Evan Peters casting, and okay, Elf in the Room here is that the X-Men movies are directed by Brian Singer, who is a horrible person. Uh, but that doesn't change the fact that there are good things that come out of horrible people, right? Uh, and that's a whole number of cannonballs I'm not going to open. Don't worry, I'm not going to get into that, because that is an entire number of subjects. Is that good pieces of media can come out of bad people, which we will probably get into whenever we discuss a Josh Sweden movie now on this show. Uh, whenever we get around to talk about Avengers or Age of Ultron, uh, we will have to discuss that in a bigger detail. But my point is, is that if Disney is reframing Evan Peters as, if this show is reframing Evan Peters as the fake Quicksilver and Aaron Taylor Johnson as the real Quicksilver, I think that is actually a negative thing. Uh, and I think the idea of claiming Malcolm in the Middle as a Disney sitcom is a bad thing I think itself even in general and this is something that's been going on for a while is framing Marvel as a Disney thing is a bad thing because Disney like Disney is not inherently Marvel uh the stuff Sony has done the stuff Marvel has done uh, it's stuff Fox has done is just as legitimate as the MCU stuff in my opinion and my hope would have been after last week that the reveal of Evan Peters would have entered us into a multiverse uh, but I'm feeling a bit more iffy about that now. Uh, and that doesn't really make me happy. Uh, and that's my little rant. Uh, you can comment if you want on any of that. <laughs> if you don't want, if you don't want to engage with the corporate policies of Disney, you don't have to. Uh, well, but Danny, I wanted to give that I, time here. How can I accept the paychecks from Disney anymore? <laughs> <laughs> that's true i mean it's also something where it's kind of hypocritical for us to be like how dare disney do this when we are taking disney but, stuff but well and also commentating on it and making content out of it but also we're not as rich as of, disney there's the matter of being a content creator and anything that's put out there on the table you've got to be held accountable for for it too so no, I think all of your all of what you said was justified, um, and uh, and no, I like there are definitely films that I enjoyed from the Fox X Men X Men films. Um, believe it or not, I actually liked Dark Phoenix. 
Um, I think yeah, I think Dark Phoenix is actually Dark, I think the Dark Magneto Phoenix, scene in Dark Phoenix is great because it was it was going to be the start of a trilogy, and I'm I really wanted to know where they were going to take that. Um, I mean, we're not going to. Disney's not going to keep going down that road, but uh, I think. But then also on the flip side, like Days of Future Past, like he said, was great. The um, Logan was great. Now we go to like New Mutants and X X Men Three. New Mutants though. I've not seen New Mutants, actually, but I've heard okay, it's a. a I, I've I'm heard it's a big. It it's a lost I gotta, opportunity. I got. I think New Mutants is actually all right. Um, <laughs> I won't go into that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> if you ever watch it for the Gruner, maybe we will talk about that, but I'm not going to go into it any more than I thought New Mutants gets a bit too much hate by people who haven't watched it. Um, no offense. <laughs> but, uh, well, oh, I wanted to throw in one more last thing that it kind of is just another pillar of my point is uh, J.K. Simmons and Far From Home. Uh, it, again, it's something where Disney's taking this casting. Well, in this case, it's Sony taking this casting from itself, but, you know, it's run by Marvel Studios. Right. kind of claiming it as their own as like well now we have this jk simmons and i guess we don't know where jk simmons role in the mcu is going to be going forward yet uh i don't think he's going to come from the Raimi movies i don't think but then it's kind of this whole weird thing where it's like okay we have this casting from an old universe and we're bringing in stuff from old universes but we're not acknowledging this one as from an old universe uh and again You're not acknowledging that old that old that old universe yeah, but yeah. we might because we don't know what uh, the next Spider-Man movie is doing with Alfred Molina and the rumored Tobey Maguire and the rumored Kirsten Dunst. So it's just kind of like I don't know, I don't know. It's all it's a big complicated thing where I think Disney is malicious in a lot of points. Uh, and there goes our sponsorship from Kevin Feige, which I'm pretty sure was never going to give us a conference. <laughs> I'm pretty sure we never were going to get that. But... Yeah, uh, <laughs> after me calling him Feige 50 times, and it's still we're going to get more of it. But anyway, yeah, that's just my, that's, it's an opinion that, uh, sometimes comes up to me, like, among my friends, and I also sometimes agree with it, and that moment where I saw Evan Peters in a Malcolm in the Middle parody, uh, in front of Disney, uh, films, just kind of looks like, yep, the synergy is not necessarily a good thing, this is kind of dystopian that we're watching this and being happy about it. You know, yeah. like, it's yeah. kind of like, oh yeah, Disney, give me this content, yes! And it's like, it's kind of scary that we're letting this happen. But yeah, and that's that's what we gotta, yeah. Alright, so I also want to point out that our outline for discussing this episode did not once mention the sword plot line, which I feel like is an indictment of just how, like, awful... Well, that might be a bit harsh. I don't think it's an awful plot line, I just think it really lacks... A compelling thing after the first week because i think the first week monica was super interesting uh and then i thought the introductions of well more the introduction of jimmy because you know i'm not too big on darcy um not that i hate her i just think she's i just think she's kind of boring um but then after that it just kind of became like all right last week it was like let's just get back to the sitcom and this week it was kind of the same thing for me uh I just, I think it's, I think the way I would describe it is I feel like there's a lot of plot blocking in the sword plot line, which I don't think I've used that word yet on this podcast, but it kind of means exactly what it sounds like. Uh, it's just that the plot is being blocked from naturally progressing. Because uh, let's say this was a movie, right? We would get Monica going, oh, let me call it my aerospace friend. And then we just immediately cut to her meeting the aerospace friend. 
But instead, we've had to deal with this other guy who is the most obviously evil, like, security head. Like, a very generic, like, you know what I'm talking about. The guy in charge of Yeah, he's, he's just he's so not generic. convincing at all. Yeah. Yeah. And then we just have to deal with, and as I said last week, it's like, Monica, Darcy, and Jimmy all agree that the guy is wrong. So there's no inner conflict there either in the, within their friend group. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just pretty much Jimmy and Darcy cracking jokes while Monica's like, well, we have to do this to help Wanda. Uh, and it's just, it's just to me. Uh, so, yeah. And, yeah, that, that's basically, uh, at least we got to see Jimmy will punch someone this week. But the sword <laughs> plot line was kind of a, to me, I know earlier I was like, last week I was like, this could potentially be the greatest Marvel thing yet. Um, and this week, after, of course, my long rant about Disney synergy being terrible, and also just realizing that, man, this sword plotline is never going to make up for these last two episodes of being boring. Uh, I'm going a bit away from that, even though I still think this still has a good chance to make a strong emotional impact. But I think when we look at stuff, like when we look at media and like assess it, we need to include everything, not just the highs. Because uh, I think the sword plotline is such a low in this show, and I don't think it can be salvaged. Because I think when it is salvaged, it'll be when it meets up with Wanda and Vision. Uh, and in that case, it won't be a subplot anymore. It will be the main plot. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. Do you like the sword stuff? Are you like, yeah, I'm... give me give me more Darcy. Give me more of <laughs> Headmaster uh, Severus Snape, or whatever his name is. <laughs> uh, no, I... Like like you said, the first the first week that we get the sword plot line, which is in episode four. Yeah. Yeah, in episode four, um, we like it was more of just a hey, we're gonna catch you up on what what's been happening outside the hex, um, and then I was like, okay, well, we've got something something set up here. We can see you know what's happening. I think the issue with Darcy is that her character is mostly reactionary like the whole plot line is mostly reactionary (laughs) right right (laughs) but uh like the most the most action that she takes of her own accord is trying is getting past all of hayward's firewalls to try and figure out what he's what he's trying to do which uh which had, I mean, it did get me. That's got you, me thinking. Like, what did you what think? Are, of, what is sword? Go, what is? Why does sword want vision? Why you know? Why do they? Why do they keep? Uh, they keep Wait. going, going for him. Yeah. What? Before we move on, there, I want to. I want to ask a question about this because one of my friends who I was talking to this with last night mentioned. What did you think about her being able to hack the mainframe so convincingly? Because here's the here's the oh thing. She was useless in the Thor movies, right? And then now yeah. she's a grad student, and I think astrophysicism. Physicism, that's not the word, but you know physicism. what I mean, right? Phys- yeah, I can't say you it. You created uh, your own. Your but own what does that have to do with hacking computer systems run by the government? Yeah, like, where, where did this come I don't from? know where she picked that up because <laughs> it's just a generic. Like, it's such a generic skill to have in these types of yeah, things, too. Yeah, like yeah, I feel like even Monica would have made more sense because she's been in, like she has worked at Sword, right? So she should right. know. And her mom was worked there, so she should know this stuff. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That was just kind of. That was like, oh, okay. This is a. It's a. We're in the nineties. It's a I guess. Deus Deus no. X. Uh, 
We got no. We got our we got our nineties stuff there because that always happened. Like you know, in Independence Day. That's true. Day, like in nineties yeah. movies, there's always like the hacker. Like to me, that's always people talk about like how Jurassic Park is a perfect movie, and I'm like, it's nine out of ten just because there's a character who's just like, I like hacking stuff, and she's like eight. So that, that to me is the one part of Jurassic Park that's like, this is dumb. Spielberg, well, what are you doing? <laughs> and I mean, like when Frogger is your security system, <laughs> so, you know. I mean, I would assume an eight-year-old's gonna be able to hack the hack the and system. The- I, I just but, I like that I'm just like yeah Jurassic Park it's not good now Jurassic Park is great but all the computer stuff in it is stupid that and then of course like the part where like Wayne Knight just hacks the computer and it's like ah 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 anyway Jurassic Park sucks back to one mission Danny, Danny, twenty twenty one, Jurassic Park sucks. Nine out of ten. <laughs> but you know what's great? Uh, Malcolm in the Middle. <laughs> oh my gosh. All right, we already had that twenty minutes. <laughs> so, so, uh, so Wanda originally stole Vision's body from Sword, and the security footage of that incident showed his body scattered on the lab tables. Um, what does Hayward want with Vision, or more so Vision's body? Uh, I like. I think this would be a cool way to bring Ultron back. Like I remember talking in the first week that I I'm still convinced that Ultron's out there somewhere, like separated off from the internet, closed off from the internet. Um, maybe sitting in a flash drive in Sokovia oh, or something. But <laughs> I always thought that the logical thing for him to come back would be I know he has this history with the cosmic side of the MCU not the MCU, the, the comics you know what I mean, the cosmic side of the comics um, that maybe one of them just rocketed into space for a bit and laid dormant and we'd eventually get yeah. back to him not in a Guardians movie because at this point I think you know, we know where Guardians 3 is going, it's not going to bring back Ultron right um, but something else in space might uh, but yeah uh, well, with Vision, I think back to the first week when I looked up on Wikipedia what S.W.O.R.D. stands for and how it now stands for sentient weapons. And what else would you define Vision as besides a sentient weapon? A sentient weapon. weapon, right? Yeah. Um, to me, well, okay, so here's me talking about genericness. The most generic answer is what I think we're going to get, which is just, Hayward, which thank God you wrote his name down, because I just refer to him as boring shield boss guy, <laughs> sword boss guy. See how boring he is? I'm just like, oh, he's like one of those guys from Shield. But anyway, no, boring sword guy. <laughs> Hayward. <laughs> Hayward, I think uh, this is the boring answer to the show, which would be Hayward had vision, was testing on vision. Wanda came back to life after the blip and was like, hey, where did you guys give it, put Vision? And they're like, oh, Tony gave him the sword <laughs> or something like that. Because, you know, it's always Tony's ball, right? <laughs> it's right. All that. <laughs> so Tony gave him the sword and she goes in, she sees Vision strung up and she goes, you can't do that to my future hubby. And so she breaks in, does everything, blah, 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 you know. But then again, of course, we all think there's someone behind this, whether it's Mephisto, whether it's Agnes, whether it's uh, 
Dark Phoenix Apocalypse Oscar Isaac coming in or <laughs> reprising his role. Uh, Where's my Moon Knight versus Apocalypse movie? Come oh on. Gosh. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you know what I mean. Like, I feel like that's the answer. It's the most boring answer, but I think that's what we're going to get. But it's, to me, if we have a, again, I think the sword stuff is such a wash on this show that if that's yeah. the answer we get, it's fine if there's someone interesting more behind it. Uh, even though, as I've already said, I actually, even though I think Evan Peters might be Mephisto, I don't want him to be. But that goes back to my long argument I just made. Uh, but yeah, uh, again, talking about the sword stuff just kind of bores me. <laughs> <laughs> well, well uh, moving on, I wanted to discuss people leaving the hex because I think that's happened three times now. The first time with Monica, the second time with Wanda, and the third time with Vision. Um, so I think that that's oh obviously that's going to be a bigger thing down the road because that the hex I think the hex is going to is going to going to disappear by the end of the show. Um, so in episode, <laughs> I mean, it'd be pretty awesome if it didn't. Honestly, imagine <laughs> the just... show just ended with Wanda being like, "No, I'm staying here." <laughs> Credits roll. Oh, Doctor Strange goes. Hmm, what's up with this hex? That's the post-credits scene. <laughs> okay, so in episode three and four, we see Monica leave the hex, although she was thrown out by Wanda, and she leaves while her clo- um, and she lives after exiting the hex, and her clothes also continue to stay the seventies. Uh, yeah, they in the seventies style that they were turned into. However. When Vision leaves the Hex, he begins to disintegrate, to fall apart. So this makes me wonder if the Love only way you can leave the way. Hex alive is, Sorry, is, it is... No, it is it is a great scene. And so this makes me wonder if the only way you can leave the Hex alive is if you entered the Hex while living. Well, the if thing that makes all sense. This, okay, first off... Uh, uh, even though this is a podcast, let's put an asterisk next to living whenever we talk about Vision and Caliber Death. Yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Um, but, okay, I would, I don't know. To me, I get what you're saying. I just, I don't know. Uh, I think Vision can't get out because of what you're saying. Yeah, I think the Hex is keeping him alive. I think, I don't necessarily think the same thing well, I wouldn't necessarily think the same thing for Quicksilver if it weren't for the fact that this episode we saw him, like, riddled with bullets. Yeah. Um, otherwise, I would think, you know, it's, like, whatever. He's a, He might be a construct or he might be brought in from the multiverse, right? Of course, assuming that he actually is a Quicksilver. This entire argument has to go with us presuming he's actually Quicksilver. He's not, like, Mephisto not or Mephisto. anyone else. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and same thing with the kids. I think the kids... Again, I think there's no way the kids somehow don't... Like, I think the kids will be able to leave the Hex. I don't see there's any way not for them to leave the Hex. I, th- I think they will for, uh, for franchises. Because they're children. Disney they're, franchises. Well, <laughs> also, like, they're children. Like, eh. Although, I, yeah. I suppose it's possible that they wouldn't be able to leave the Hex. But then Doctor Strange could be like, I can help you find new ones in the multiverse. Which is always a possibility, right? Um, which... That sounds, you know what I mean? That sounds. That sounds but then really she'd be bad. kidnapping some. I never wanted his children, right? So like. 
By the way, something to go... <laughs> jumping back a topic before we go, because for some reason I just remember this, is uh, I want to go back to talking about Hayward very briefly, and then we'll keep talking about the hacks, okay? I know. I want to talk about the sword guy. Crazy. Uh, <laughs> but, okay, sentient weapons, right? And you said you could bring a way to bring back Ultron. Have you heard about Grey Vision? That's a comic I, thing. Have you ever heard I about Grey Vision? I, I haven't, no. So, Grey Vision is... I don't know when he comes after. Uh, he might be after House of M. He might be after Vision, like, dies briefly in the comics. No, actually, no. I remember... Okay, uh, if I get this wrong, comic nerds listening, feel free to write in and tell me to correct it next week. Grey Vision... Write it right into a show that doesn't give out an address. I know. <laughs> <laughs> we have a Twitter. They can, they can DM me. There we go. Grey Vision... I believe at one point in the comics, Vision died, right? But he's a robot, so you can just rebuild him. It's not like an issue here where he's like... Uh, he's not powered by the Mind Stone in the comics. He's just kind of a robot, right? Um, yeah. So you can rebuild him. But initially, Vision's consciousness and, like, sentiness... Because you know, like, how in the comics, Thor is, like, actually, like originally actually somebody else? Mm-hmm. Like, Vision is kind of similar... Um, but the difference is, is that Vision, they used someone's consciousness as a base without their permission, his permission initially. Uh, I don't know the exact origins of Vision in the comics, but something like that. So when they rebuilt him, the guy gave express, like, express details, do not use my consciousness again in this person. So what they instead got was a more emotionless Vision, which they called Grey Vision, because he was now gray, like the color was gone. In vision because yeah. that's how comics represent things is like uh and that could be something that hayward might have wanted maybe he wanted a gray vision a vision without the sense of morality or rather the sense of humanity that vision has in it and as we see as vision looks when he's dead he's pretty gray um right you know what i mean so yeah that's we, a possibility we, get, we see that in infinity war and when in the, the stones ripped out and in i think episode four of this too yeah like the the jump scare so that's a Mm -hmm. possibility too anyway back to talking about the hacks but i i thought that was actually kind of important to bring up because i did see not that theory going around but i did i've seen the gray vision idea actually going around a bit even before this show premiered gotcha Uh, and i was like and apparently it's a big part of vision's history too where like when vision was brought back in there and wanda brought him i think wanda helped bring him back there because they were in the relationship already uh but he was brought back, and you know he had no emotion and no tie to Wanda anymore, which mm. would be arguably worse for Wanda to like. Imagine if you would Wanda when she when if we see her break into Sword, uh, or if we you know what I mean if we see more security footage of that. Yeah. Uh, imagine if she discovers an alive Vision who doesn't even know who she is, right? Mm-hmm. That could be something big too. Uh, but I don't know. That's something to put in our speculation box. But anyway, back to. And that relates back to the Hex thing, because yeah. if Vision is alive, but as Grey Vision in the real world, then the Hex thing is more Wanda keeping him trapped rather than his own ability to escape being it. But to be honest, I don't think, unless next up episode opens of a cold open where we reveal Wanda breaking in and discovering an alive Grey Vision, I don't think that would make much sense, because I don't think that's a reveal you can throw in in the middle of an episode, you know? because mm-hmm. it would really redefine what we see and unless of course when vision is back with wanda after this episode maybe wanda tells him what happened 
because uh, now I think this is getting to speculation. I think when Wanda and Vision reunite after this episode, it's going to be a lot more chill because now Vision knows in some way Wanda has saved his life. Um, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, even if he might not want it. Well, uh, well, now because when he went out, he uh, he was very very clearly. Die, I mean, dying. I mean, we yeah. use living with yeah, an we asterisk. Yeah, we get an asterisk. He's dying with an asterisk, too. Um, but he was very clearly dying. And then, like you said, Wanda saved him by expanding the hex. And now he could very clearly be convinced that Wanda's like, I'm doing this to save you. Because if you go out, you will die. And now now she may have gained gained his allegiance his curiosity may have given uh, granted her his allegiance so yes no that's a that's a really good point and i also think this is also kind of just related to the vision scene and vision in this episode in general i thought it was really interesting when he broke the spell not when he escaped but when he switched into his normal mcu vision stuff for the first time Mm -hmm. in the show uh yeah i thought that was just kind of also even how he flew the episode how he, he flew talks then, about it was yeah. how he normally flies compared to like last week you know how last week when he like jumped up really dramatically and started flying it didn't look how we've seen village and fly and that's because i think much like the other stuff in this show the like the magic too it's always shown by how a sitcom that era would have done it mm-hmm. whereas in this case when vision flew when he was normal mcu he flew like he does in the normal mcu sorry but what were you gonna say I was I was just going to say that uh, you you said it was a big it was a big moment when he switches into his M- actual MCU costume and that is that that is a big moment I was agreeing there because at the very beginning of the show he says this this was you know his Halloween costume was the only thing for him to wear yeah, so him exactly. switching to that no that that's, broke, that's yeah, a subtle, he did break the spell a subtle point like, yeah that yeah uh, so. Speaking of people breaking outside of the hex, uh, do you think that the twins will go outside of the hex of their own accord? I don't think they will unless Wanda and Vision decide to try to take them. Because uh, as I said, I think after this episode, Wanda and Vision will be somewhat close again. Even mm-hmm. though I think Wanda lying to Vision is still going to make that relationship tense. But I don't yeah. think we're any long. I don't think we're heading any longer to the big Wanda versus Vision fight that I thought we might be. Um, because Wanda just saved his life again, life in asterisks. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> we should title this episode either "Life in Asterisks" or something else. I don't know. So, so many. Asterisks. I was thinking maybe we title it "Jurassic Park Sucks." Honestly, <laughs> <laughs> Jurassic Park Sucks. Parentheses nine out of ten. <laughs> Uh, so <laughs> they're now directly involved in this ordeal because they're they ha- they now have these powers and their powers are what it's what allowed Wanda to discover that Vision was dying out dying asterisk outside of the hex. So they're now they're now directly involved in this deal in this ordeal they're super independent of their parents and they've been shown to be both curious and rebellious so and then also having uncle pietro kind of 
kind of instigating there. You know, that's just throwing more more wood on the fire. But I want to talk about Petro, uh, Petro in air quotes asterisk Petro. <laughs> uh, but first, I actually want to talk about how for you know how you're like I wish this was a full house episode. I actually think all the points you just made is exactly why it was a Malcolm in the Middle episode. Um, because Malcolm in the Middle is literally about the children talking to the camera and being independent of their parents, right? That is, mm-hmm. I know you haven't watched the show, but that is like yeah. the conceit of the show is that Malcolm talks to the camera. I'll agree with you, even yeah. though I've never seen an episode of Malcolm in the well, Middle. Well, <laughs> you, you can tell from the first five minutes of this show, you know, like the kids are the first people we see in this episode and they're talking yeah. to us, the audience. Um, right? So... Anyway, I thought that was like a good point that thematically what happens in this episode ties into the gimmick of Malcolm in the Middle, um, which is why Full House wouldn't work. And I also think uh, if you're going to mention Petro, you got to mention how Wanda like gets rid of him, right? Not, like she doesn't push him out of the hex, but like at the end of the episode, he's like, she's basically like, dude, shut up. And like completely like, she doesn't yeah. push him out of the hex, she, but she's like, she knocks him she into fro- some hay bales. Yeah. Yeah. And we don't see him again for the rest of the episode. That's true. And, so, I mean, with her controlling the Hex, she could have very well just... I mean, we saw... Vision Vision saw plenty of people on the outside of the Hex not move... Like, hardly moving around, or they were just repeating the same action over and over again. She could have very well just made him go into a loop or, you know, froze him for for some time yeah which again goes to my back to my thing where it's like i don't know if this is fox Petro. i don't actually think it is but i want it to be uh but again i don't think she gave this person their powers i think either she accidentally brought him in agnes we're still sticking with that theory brought him in or he himself is the bad guy and let himself in you know what i mean Mm-hmm. yeah so, so speaking of characters having powers Monica's blood test results came back as, and uh, those tests show that her blood has been changed. So I'm curious if this isn't her just gaining superpowers, or if it is more of her gaining the mutant gene. So if the latter is the case, will everyone in the hex gain the mutant gene? I this would be an interesting way to introduce mutants into the MCU, but also, I think. I don't know. To to me, I think it's too soon for mutants because we're already getting Fantastic Four in however many years. Um, people seem to think we're getting it next week. I don't know if you've yeah. seen that either. People, oh, I haven't. No. <laughs> uh, people think a lot of people think the aerospace uh, engineer is Reed Richards, uh, but I don't, and I really hope it isn't. Uh, I think that'd be dumb. Side note: I think that'd be very dumb. Well, there there uh, is a point of where like your connected universe can be too connected. Like, I wouldn't mind if they're like, "Oh, Reed Richards gave us to me. We didn't actually see it," you know? Because that's kind of yeah. like how in Captain America two, they're like, "Oh, Doctor Strange is around," you know, but we don't see him, so it's a little mm-hmm. more okay. Uh, but anyway, that's that's a side note that I'm glad we didn't actually have something to discuss because I really don't want to play. Let's guess who this aerospace engineer who is obviously important, right? Like, because we've talked about him twice. Again, plot blocking. We haven't seen him yet. That's true. Uh, oh, and she even says, Monica even says that he's he's showing up or he texted her back or something. Yeah. She mentions him I, in this episode. I do think... Uh, I don't know if we want to talk... Well, we can talk about this, because I think this is part of the discourse, too, and I don't know if you've seen it, is that the Spanish language dub of this show 
uses the female uh, what you, modifiers for the aerospace engineer. Uh, huh. But also in this episode, she's like, my guy, which usually when I hear my guy, I think it is a man. So, yeah. yeah. Who knows? Like, you know, like. Uh, Coin toss. <laughs> uh, I think your best bet, if it's a woman, might be uh, an Ironheart cameo super early, but I also don't necessarily think people would freak out over that, right? What it if it's one like of the. Sc- what? What if it's one of the scrolls? That'd be cool. I'd be down for that if it's Ben yeah. Mendelsohn or his wife. I didn't. I didn't uh, think about that because she would know them from, from Captain Marvel, from the Captain yeah. Marvel movie. So I would be down yeah, for that. Yeah, I didn't think about that. That'd be in a cameo. I'm okay with. Uh, but yeah. Uh, as for your mutant theory, I'm gonna go with a blunt no. Because here's here's why. It's not just because I don't. I think it's too early to introduce mutants. But I know Monica Rambeau because I know she becomes a superhero. I know for a fact she is not a mutant. Even though I don't yeah. know anything else about her. I know for a fact that she like is actually like superpowered. And I think when the MCU does introduce mutants, they're not gonna just make characters that aren't mutants in the comics suddenly mutants. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They might revert some of the ones they've changed, like maybe they'll make Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch re- retroactively mutants. But besides that, I don't think they're gonna just suddenly be like, Well, this character's a mutant now, and this character's a mutant now. Especially when we know Miss Marvel's going to introduce, uh, what do you call them, Inhumans again. I say again because they were in that really bad TV show that was technically MCU, but we all know that's not going, like, if anybody's going to be retconned in the MCU, that, it's that going to be that show. That is definitely not canon, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, I, don't, I don't think she's going to be a mutant. I think she's just going to be a superhero, and she's getting her powers right now from this, which is a cool way to do it, because that means in... When we get to uh, Captain Marvel 2, we're going to have Monica and we're going to have Kamala. All have, we're going to have their origin stories. If you want to watch their origin story, make sure you get a month of Disney Plus to binge their shows. Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, that's, um, but that's okay. Well, it's not. But <laughs> it's okay for the storytelling of this to combine her origin within it, in my opinion. Uh, and it gives her more motive, more relevance to the story, I guess. I don't know. I just hope she's not muted but it's whatever. Uh, and then I think we're good there, right? Uh, yeah. I think we yeah. move on to our last topic, which is the erupt ending of this episode, which I, I want to ask you a simple yes or no question. Uh-huh. And then I'll get into my take is, did you think the ending was a satisfying ending? Were you satisfied before the episode ended? No, because these, sh- these <laughs> yes, episodes should point. be an hour long. <laughs> No, I will die on this hill, baby. No, 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 no. no. Okay, (laughs) let me explain why I hated the ending. I I actually am like, this ending was terrible. Like, to me, it kind of soured almost the whole episode, even though obviously I had some other misgivings. But the ending to me... So, I think endings, to be satisfying... uh, I think cliffhangers are fine, right? The show's had cliffhangers before. Last week it had a great cliffhanger. But the difference was, is that the episode's plot lines were mostly resolved. Like... Even the in re- the not lack of resolution between Wanda and Vision's argument was a resolution, right? Because Vision said what he wanted to say, it's just that Wanda wasn't listening. But that resolved his story for the episode. And th- it resolves Wanda's story for the episode, too. Everything within the episode last week was resolved, even though we had a cliffhanger. This week, it I think it could be fixed. Vi- I think Vision's story did not get the ending it needed. I think Vision's story had a needed a button at the end and we didn't get it if the ending of the episode had been 
it simply cut back to Vision's eyes opening on the ground, and then we cut to Wanda's eyes, that would have been a miles better ending to me. Because what this episode ends is, is Vision is unconscious but alive within the hex. Who knows what's going to happen to them next, but we're probably not going to get an immediate follow-up because I'm willing to bet next week we'll open with a sitcom song and he'll just suddenly be back in the house. And it's just like, I don't... I think it'd be more interesting to see what... Because I think Paul Bettany, obviously, is a brilliant actor. He's been doing so much on the show. I think just ending, having within the ending, a shot of him looking and being like... Even just like a general, what just happened type of thing, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, That would have made the ending so much more satisfying to me. Uh, And it's really just that. It's the thing. it's It's literally just... This ending is missing a shot for me for the cliffhanger to work. As it is, the episode does not feel complete to me. Um... And I know it's, like, very much a nitpick, but to me, it's just, like, it's a pivotal thing. Because Vision's whole plot this episode was he wanted to explore what was outside Westview. He did. Like, that is literally, like, I hate to be like, he he almost asterisk died from it. But he did, and now he's back in the hex, but we don't get to see how he feels about being outside the hex. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I get that they can be like, we're saving that for next week. But there's no reason we can't have an immediate reaction now and more delving into it next week, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's that's my take on the ending. I, and it is very nitpicky of a take, but it, it is what it is, right? <laughs> deal with it. You got to deal with my nitpicks. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, what, are you, what are your predictions for, for next week? Uh, well, I think... Weren't you saying you wanted a community next week? I don't think... I think next week is the end. I think next week is... Well, obviously we have three episodes. I think next week is the end of the sitcom. I yeah. think next week we'll get Modern Family and... Yeah, I think so. From from what I've seen in the commercial, the mid-season trailer, yeah. Yeah, I think next week is the end. I think I remember Kevin Kevin Feige said that every show was six hours long, and I believe we're clocking in around three hours right now, so these next few episodes are... And that was always a rumor, you know? The rumor was always episodes one through six are half hours, episodes seven, eight, and nine are hours. Uh, so if next week we load up the Disney Plus app and it's like 35 minutes, you have the right to be mad for once. I'll be like, okay, Tyler, all right. At this point, you can be mad about this. Uh, uh, but yeah, um, I don't know. This is thing is like, again, I was saying like, I think I said this earlier. Is I don't really know how there's three episodes left in the show. I think we might get a flashback uh, when Wanda and Vision reunite and I think Vision's going to be like, you need to tell me what's going on. And Wanda might finally relent, because I think Petro has thrown her off. And I think even the twins might be like, Mom, tell us. Yeah. Uh, and I think at that point, Wanda will be like, all right, these are the only people I really have. Um, I'm curious where we'll go with Petro next week, because I don't think he will be around when Wanda decides to open up. You know what I mean? I, I really don't. Uh... And I am curious, actually, if the children will be. Uh, to be honest, if what I'm, if my theory is true, the theory I don't want to be true, with Mephisto being Evan Peters, it isn't the logical way for this to go. Here's here's the, if I get this right, I'm gonna be kind of annoyed. Cause to me, it's just the logical way to end this is Evan Peters is Mephisto. Uh, he's like, oh, don't worry, I'll take the kids on a trip uh, and to try to leave the hacks with them, and he'll be able to because he's Mephisto, right? Right. Um, so he'll kidnap the children. Uh, I mean, they'll go with him because he's their uncle. Agnes will come in 
and Agnes will be like, I'm actually Agatha Harkness, and I'm here to help you guys because I'm actually friends with Wanda, and we've all made a mistake by being in this mess. And Vision, I know you helped me last week, but I didn't say everything because I plot blocked. Uh, and uh, <laughs> and then uh, yeah, and then the the three of them will go out to search for the kids. At the same time, we'll see Monica enter the hex, and Monica will be there to try to help. Uh, and the sword guys will be relevant somehow, and the circus will be somehow relevant. I wouldn't be surprised also if they go to the circus next week. Mm. I'm curious what I... Darcy's role will be. I'm sure Darcy will be in next week's episode. So I, I'm, that's my big point. Like, how does Darcy play into it now that she is in the hex? Yeah. But everyone else is not, right? Right. And will Darcy remember anything? Or will she be like Monica, who was in the hex and did not recall? I don't think Darcy will remember anything immediately. I think, though, if Monica enters next mm-hmm. week, uh, Monica might be able to snap her out. It also could be something where Vision snaps her out. Because uh, I could True, see her being he a leader at the circus. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That said, though, I think Vision going to Agnes and snapping her out is probably the highest this will go unless he tries to snap out. Uh, I could see Vision's last person he's trying to snap out is Petro, trying to figure out who he is, and Petro doesn't let him. And that would be the reveal that he's Mephisto or some demon or, like, a wizard. or You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that would be a good way to reveal it. It's like, you can't snap me out of it because I'm here by my choice and I'm just, I'm acting, like, this is me acting. I'm not brainwashed to do this. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Um, I don't know. All those are my vague predicts. What about you? Um, I think the twins will be teens in next week's episode. Um, I think... <laughs> I, 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 know, I know, Danny. Wipe, wipe the tears away. Um, no, what I about think the tragedy be... of growing up? <laughs> the... I talked about that last week. I think they will be, they will be teens in next week's episode. Um... I wonder if Vision will remember his trip to the outside because I, I've got a feeling that Wanda may rebuild his memory like she had done it like had done at the start of the series. Or not rebuild his memory, but kind of reset his memory. And then Have you seen um wait, wait, I wanna ask you, have you ever watched the uh, Good Place? The T V show The Good Place? I haven't, no. Okay, so there's a I wouldn't mind that happening, what you said. It's just popped my head, is that in the second... Spoiler alerts for the first season of The Good Place. Uh, Because it is honestly one of the greatest twists in TV. I'm going to ruin it for you, but it's okay because there's three more seasons of twists, okay? So the reveal at the end... Do you know what the plot of The Good Place is? I have no clue. Okay, so the the premise of The Good Place is, is that Kristen Bell dies and she ends up in The Good Place. However, she knows she's a terrible person. Like, she was, like, a really horrible human being. Like, the show shows it to us frequently. And she knows she was meant to be sent to the bad place. However, she finds an ethics professor who tries to teach her how to be good so she can fit in. Because the good place is starting to reject her. Uh, the twist at the end of the series is that the angel... The end of the season, not the series. I haven't made it actually past the second season. The twist at the end of the second season is that the guy in charge of the, the good place neighborhood they're in, Michael is actually a demon and this was an experiment by him to make the bad place uh be the it was supposed to be that the, the Kristen Bell the ethics professor and two of the regulars were des- all deserved to go to the bad place right and they were put here to torment each other but they figured it out so in the second season what he does is he wipes all their memories and he's like well now I'm just not going to put them in the same area and we're just going to torture them ourselves because it's more fun to torture them this way 
And then there's like that episode where they just constantly keep figuring it out. Like no matter what, he cannot keep it from them. That's how the show moves on. Is like he can't, but he keeps resetting their memories. Like he resets their memories yeah. like a hundred times. And that's what you just reminded me of. Is like one. I, I feel like if Wanda did that, it would be like that episode of The Good Place where she just mm. would have to constantly keep resetting his, her his memory. And that's a really fun episode because like they literally go through like eighty resets in a twenty minute episode <laughs> until oh the guy eventually just gives up. Uh, I wouldn't mind seeing the MCU version of that, even though I guess that kind of goes with my whole, my rant from earlier. is like, why does the MCU keep stealing others' ideas? And I'm like, steal from the good place. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, that's what that just reminded me. I'm sorry. Uh, I just wanted to say that. No, like, that's good. Memory whites in a sitcom, I wish it was the good place and not uh, Modern Family. But anyway. <laughs> Go on after uh, predictions. I also think we'll begin to see bigger involvement from the mastermind behind the hex, which is a <clears throat> Mephisto. Kevin Peters. <laughs> yeah, I could see Vision being reset by Wanda. To me, that that's kind of Actually, cheapening all the stuff that he did well. in the past. But, I don't necessarily think so. I actually think that'd be a good. You just honestly, you saying that just kind of sold me on the idea of a reset. Because imagine if he gets reset, and then in the final episode he finds out he was reset. And that gives us the Wanda versus Vision fight. Mm. And he remembers everything from both the sitcom and from the MCU beforehand. Yeah. Uh, and he's like, I, like, yeah, that would be, to me, that'd be a good way to explosively end this. Uh, and it would be a good way also, to me, I think you might be right, and a reset is needed. Because I think Vision has progressed to the point where if he is still mad at Wanda, which is, it's possible he isn't. I think it's very possible he's like, oh, now I understand after this week's episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if he is mad at Wanda, to me, it would make sense to reset him. And then he wouldn't be... Like, as I said, I feel like if he, you don't reset him, it's like, why is the next week the last episode? Yeah. Uh, whereas if you reset him, you get two more episodes of him, and then you get even more of him being angry at Wanda when this is all over and said and done. That wraps up this week's episode of Why Is with Ty and Dan. You can catch us on various podcasting platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and on our website, whyiswithtydan.buzzsprout.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at whyiswithtyan1, because I'm number one. You can also follow me, Danny Vincent, on Letterboxd at Blank Roots for reviews of movies, including those that are not in the MCU, and maybe a few that are. All right, we'll see you next week. Hopefully we'll get an hour-long episode, Tyler. Hey! (laughs) Hey. (laughs) (laughs) Bye-bye.